Hi friends! Welcome to our July 2018 Reading Minds Book Club. My name is Annie Bruza, and as usual, I'll be talking with my friends Shannon and Susie about a book we've all read together this month. Today we're talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was a really fun book to read, and while the story might seem a little all over the place, our conversation is kind of all over the place too. Also, just a heads up, when I went to edit this episode, I immediately deleted about the first 20 minutes of my conversation. But somehow, since we're fairly new to the recording and podcasting world, Shannon and Susie's microphone picked up my voice. So it's there, it's just really quiet. You'll be able to hear me again at full volume after about 20 minutes. Another announcement, we have an email. I'll be linking it in the description, so if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, etc., feel free to shoot us an email. Also, if you would like to offer your own opinions on anything we talk about today, for example, Susie asks a question about the character Marvin's personality at about 15 minutes that somehow goes entirely unanswered. Feel free to use this email as a way to participate in our conversation. Anyway, enough from me. Without further ado, here is our conversation. by Douglas Adams and so this book is Susie's pick so Susie why did you pick this book it is very different from everything else it it is very different um I picked this book because I've always really liked the genre of science fiction and this has always been a hole in my own like reading vocabulary And my parents love this book and they talk about it, not all the time, but you know, like the whole grabbing your towel thing, like being prepared in any circumstance with a tool that can be utilized in so many ways. My dad would just joke about it when I was growing up. Um, And so I was like, you know what? I have this book. It's actually a series that I've never read before in the genre that I love. And this whole point of this book club and podcast is not only to like, you know, connect with my friends, but also to increase our reading list, you know, just hit the books. Yeah. Just hit the books that we haven't read that we have been meaning to read. Um, and I'm glad I did. I didn't really know what to expect because I've seen the movie and it's a little all over the place and the book kind of is a little bit too. Um, but yeah, just for like a little bit of an overview The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy begins um, just kind of describing this English gentleman, Arthur Dent, and, you know, he's just doing life, and his friend comes up, Ford, and he's like, you know, we got to go drink. We got to go to this pub, essentially, like, you know, leave your house. We got to go. And they hitchhike off of Earth right before it's actually destroyed to make way for Galactic Freeway. And they embark on this, you know, crazy adventure through space and also actually through time, um, meet some old friends and in interesting places. And it's just very intelligent comedy, actually. It made me laugh audibly out loud (laughs) numerous times. And so I hope you guys liked the book, too. I don't know. What was your, yeah, what was? What was your guys' just, like, overall impression? Like, I know that we do sentences sometimes. So like, Annie, what is your sentence? Um, so my sentence... I can just read you my sentence because I like writing sentences. 
So my sentence is, Arthur Dent explores the meaning of life and existence once he learns that his best friend is an alien and that his home planet is not what it seems. So basically, I feel like the book talks a lot about things not being what it seems. So mm-hmm. with part of it is the whole Earth is actually this computer trying to generate the meaning of life. Um, so just big things like that are just not how we would have pictured them as human beings. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a lot of the message of the book. I think there are so many messages, actually, that people can yeah. take away. There are so many overarching themes. And it's interesting how we kind of feel like the book is all over the place. But actually, when you really sit down and think about it, you're like, okay, it actually just makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, it yeah. all comes together. Yeah. Shannon, what was, you know, your sentence, your impression, synopsis is really what our sentences are. Uh, so my sentence is not, I don't know, I always feel like I, I dislike my sentences more than everyone else's, but maybe, oh, yeah. I, maybe I'm just too hard. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, so my sentence is, this book is a crazy fun adventure between a human and his best friend who just so happens to be an alien, learning how to traverse a universe that is much bigger and insane than previously thought. Cool. Thanks, Shannon. (laughs) Yeah, and then my sentence I kind of touched on a little in my overview, but it was kind of like, I mean, that's why we all talked about how it's an adventure. So I was like, you know, Arthur Dent and his seemingly normal but then discovered alien friend, Ford Prefix, embark on this adventure through time and space um, in this insanely hilarious and thought-provoking adventure. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So we all kind of were like, this is just a cool story. And then also a little bit to go along with our past little segments, I guess, in the book club is we all like to drink something special, I guess, or something that kind of makes <laughs> sense with the story of, so Shannon, what are you drinking today? Wait, well, there's a theme to our drink. Yes. There is a theme. Yeah. So, okay, so when we first planned to do this recording, we were going to do it later in the day, and we were like, wait, does that mean we can drink the alcohol? We're all 21, by the way, over 21, just for everybody, and because we drink in, like, tea and, like, Diet Coke and that kind of stuff, and we're like, yeah, we can, and there's, you know, I'll let Annie talk about it because her drink is the most themed, but there is a theme of alcoholic beverages um, in the book, so... You know, Shana will go first, and I'll say mine, then Annie will give the more book-accurate drink, and she'll explain it. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, I chose a Grapefruit Shandy by Leaning Lugals. I don't know how to say this brand. I don't really drink beer very often. Side note, I prefer wine. Wine is delicious. <laughs> um, but I figured it was more in theme with the book, because they kind of start out by going to a pub. And drinking a ton of beer. So I figured it was pretty English, um, a pretty English thing to do. And I had never had a shandy before, so I thought I would give it a try. And it's actually quite refreshing, so I highly recommend it. Poolside, you know, whatever. So so my drink is the least book-themed. So 
Yeah. I'm drinking wine because I really like wine. And, it, you know, it's from Italy, which is on Earth, which is like the computer that got destroyed and then rebuilt in my defense. So I am drinking uh, a wine from the year 2015. And it is a de Bruzzo. There we go. Annie from the planet Earth. Um, you know, more in the European segment of the earth. And, and I'm also drinking Diet Coke, which has no theme at all, but it's just kind of like my life juice. So, <laughs> yes. So, Annie, share your actual book appropriate. The Shannon's was good too. Um, drink. Okay. So, my drink. I attempted to uh, make a pan-galactic gargle blaster, um, and there's a huge um, chunk of the book that describes how it's made, and it requires a lot of different substances from different planets, which I do not have access to. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I made some blue Kool-Aid and put some gin in it, and that is my pan-galactic gargle blaster. But gin is kind of significant, if you read the next book, which I have. <laughs> um, so there's this whole thing about gin and tonic. So read the next book to find out about that. It's like and a also, sneak peek. Because I felt like blue was a pretty galactic color. <laughs> and that's it. It's the color of space. So this is right. the best color ever. I also really like that your drink is like a light blue. I don't know. It's a very pretty, a very pretty it's drink. It looks like it could be from outer space. It could, yes. That was what I was going for. <laughs> okay. So this book had so many jokes in it, honestly, and just so many moments. If they were serious, if they were funny, there's just a whole bunch of moments. So, so many moments. <laughs> when I introduced this book, I mentioned that it actually was like a radio show to begin with, and so I really wonder what would have happened if you could hear, like, the original kind of comedic inflection given to the whole book. I kind of was thinking that as I was reading it, but... I actually read most of this book out loud with my husband because I was reading it in the car while we were traveling, and he had already read it, and he's been bothering me to read it. So (laughs) I ended up reading a chunk of it out loud, and it was... There are so many things that if you actually say it out loud... Like, you'll get some of the other, like, the smaller inflections. Yeah. Just, like, little things you wouldn't have noticed if you're just reading it. So Yeah, so I I read the whole book, and then I rewatched the movie just because, like, it was on Netflix, and I was kind of like, why not? And it was on Netflix? Or it was on Amazon Prime. It was on something free. Like, you know, something free. Well, great, because I was going to go to the library. The library, actually. And I actually really enjoyed... Um, I watched the movie last night, actually. So I really enjoyed watching the movie because there was all of those intro sections or sections of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the book, when the narrator was actually reading from the actual guide. And it was really comical to hear it out loud in the movies. I think in the, when I was reading it in my mind, not that I was glazing over it, but I feel like I was just like, this is just like introduction, you know, instructional. It's just a part of the book. But hearing it out loud, it was just really funny. So I guess... And I think the movie, too, it was... You hear it as the 
like acting is happening mm -hmm. so you see what the guide is saying as the people are like making the mistakes yes whereas in the book it kind of interrupts what's going on like you can't read two things at once but you can watch, watch something and listen to something yes you can so, so can we talk about how perfect martin freeman is for arthur Day? Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, you need to watch it because I love Martin Freeman and other things like um, Sherlock and The Hobbit. Um, as like Bilbo, so typecasted. He he <laughs> he is because it's just like literally just seeing his face like on the screen is just funny. Not like not that his face is funny, but you know what I mean. Like because I forgot that he was playing Arthur. Um, until it like showed up and I was like yes like this makes me so happy that he is this character um, because he just plays it so well too it's like the perfect mixture of like curiosity and timidness at the same time and Britishness yes so <laughs> Marvin is is Alan Rickman oh sorry I watched the trailer no it's fine no, I watched the trailer, and I was like, that's amazing. It's so perfect. Do you want to take this moment to talk about Marvin? Oh, Marvin. Marvin. What a, what a precious uh, character he is. He's a robot, um, and he was specifically created to have a, well, a human personality, more like a personality, more or less, I guess not necessarily human, but um, he was meant to kind of be like more humanistic and serve you know whatever bought him create like what a, you know kind of thing and um so unfortunately they haven't quite mastered the art of making the personality in this robot and so this personality of this robot is just very pessimistic and downtrodden and like depressed and just hating life and it's just hilarious oh my gosh <laughs> like there's oh there's, like, not much I can do to really, like, emphasize and, like, explain this character without you just going and reading, reading it. it or watching the movie just because it's, like, even if I read you a quote or something, that, like, would not, uh, that would not show you the magnitude of this character's, like, I think one, I think one example of his personality is that they, um, the president of the universe, Staff Boyd, like, Beetlebox. Beeblebrox. Um, he steals this incredible spaceship and it is like heart top of, of the line, heart of gold. Yeah, it yeah. has this crazy like improbability drive in it. But one funny thing is that the walls and the doors are trained to like sound happy. So like whenever like, like a door, oh. yeah, so whenever a door closes, it goes like, oh, <laughs> like it like sighs happily. And Mark. Yes, they love being doors. And it's almost like the antithesis of Marvin. Because he's walking through and he's like, even the doors are happy or something. And like, picture like Alan Rickman's like voice in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like saying stuff like, oh, this is like a waste of my talents. Just, I have like one of the best computer brains in the world. Yes. And like the universe. And yet I'm being asked to escort these prisoners from the bridge or these guests or whatever. It's just so funny. So you just, you just have, even just like watching a, the trailer or like a clip mm -hmm. of Marvin will just like sum up basically who he is. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. What do you guys think? Okay. So Douglas Adam, you know, created this character. 
Um, and do you think he's saying something by the fact that like the personality is not perfected and his innate unperfected personality is to be depressed and to be pessimistic? Do you think he's just trying to be funny or do you think he's trying to say something about like people in general? But like, I mean, I feel like you have to work to be happy sometimes. You're getting really deep. Wow. Do you know what I mean? How it's... Taking a very serious turn. Well, I was thinking that reading this book actually the whole time is that while it is comedy, and not the whole time, you know, while it is trying to be like just British humor, humor really comes from deep questions. And so you can kind of think, even like that one part where like the bowl of petunias is falling and it's like I wonder you know all it was thinking was not again and they're like I wonder what we can know about you know the universe if we could figure out why the petunia was thinking not again and I think why because I think that the book itself actually brought up very serious and deep questions they didn't really answer them very well we can talk about that later I mean like like they brought it up yeah and I think that's part of like, I think that's very purposeful that like, we don't always have all the answers. And even as in the book, when we do have the answer, we don't always have the right questions. Uh-huh. So a lot of we don't always know why life is the way that it is. I think that point is really valid, how, like, sometimes we don't have all the answers. And one other, like, just overarching thing that kept coming up in my mind as I was reading this book is, you know, why are we like Douglas Adams, people in other literature and just throughout life, like we're constantly searching for the purpose of life. And a lot of times too, I notice a little bit in millennials as well, we, people will have like a purpose they'll cling to. Like my purpose is to like improve the environment. My purpose is to do this. And now we're missing like the meaning. Like people are like, I want to have a meaningful life. But back to like the purpose thing, you know, like those two wise people from the planet come up and like the build the computer and all that kind of stuff to find the answer to life the universe and everything which honestly is a really vague question mm-hmm. um but my like I guess my discussion question for you guys is like why do you think we as like humanity throughout all of culture are searching for the purpose and then what you know like what do you think is the purpose of life 42 <laughs> It's, it's 42. Well, I mean, we could just talk about it, yeah. It's 42. According to the book, it's 42. Yeah. Well, I can talk about the first big way. So, if you, this is like the audience, if they haven't figured out, Annie, Shannon, and I are all Christians. And a big part of Christianity is that, you know, like the purpose of life is to, like, serve God, like worship God. Um, Like we, while we may not know our purpose for like career wise or like that kind of stuff, honestly, that's not what like life is about for us. It's about like trying to be more like God every day, like having him on the throne of our lives and you know, like he's in charge. What? It's super Christian, but we are super Christian. So we can talk about, yeah, but we can talk about it in like this question in multiple angles. So when I was reading this book, that was the angle that I constantly was thinking about because it's just like, you know, humanity seems to want to find this purpose. And I'm like, I I do think, okay. 
So I do think that there is a lot we can, as Christians, take from this book, because I think there's also kind of this movement, even within the church and within Christianity, about how we need to have our purpose, which I think has spilled over a lot from um, the world, too, so those outside the church, and how since they're trying to find the meaning of life and they find that through fulfillment in their careers, I think that that has, that we also see a lot of that in the church. Um, So I think from this book, we can learn to be content with where we are and to, I mean, obviously this part isn't in the book, but to be focusing on how we can glorify God within our specific walks of life and where we are without necessarily trying to change anything about where we are because we think that we can serve God better somewhere else because that's not true. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, Shana, do you want to add anything to that? You guys, I mean, you kind of summed it up. I feel like. Is there any way we can answer this without a Christian perspective? I guess we can't um, really because that's like. That's the book. I mean, yeah, yeah there's the book. There's the, the non-Christian perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I no. do think I feel like there's nothing else I can really add that like we haven't already said, said um, yeah. which is valid. Because I mean that's one thing that like I think Annie said this but before. I, mean, I think I think like there's many different ways people find to try to fulfill the purpose of life, um, whether that be like Christianity or like different religions, or even just the aspect that there is no anything beyond mm-hmm. any like you know like there is no religion, there is no anything. Um, but yes like everyone has like different perspectives and things within their own like worldviews that dictate um their purpose and i think we saw specifically one of those Mm -hmm. and not like the whole spectrum necessarily what do you guys think about the white mice how the mice, you know, ruled the earth and how, based off of our experience on mice, we uncovered things about humans as well. I think I <laughs> I love how mice were the most, what was it, intelligent yeah. species, and then it was dolphins, uh-huh. and then us. I thought that was... That was almost my quote that I picked to share. Right. Um, I love the, so long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> and in the movie, another yet another plug for the movie, the whole credits at the beginning, mm-hmm. there's a song that's called So Long, and so thanks long, for all the so fish. So long, so long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks yes. for that plug, Suze. Um, I want to learn that song and teach it to a choir. <laughs> yes. Except for the fact that the like, dolphin you can't endorse song. them reading it unless they're like old enough to so. understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, do you guys want to talk about um, our favorite like moments, our favorite quotes? Let's do that. Sure. We have to find okay. mine, So, if anyone wants to go first, I, have to, like, I can go first. Mine. So mine. So Shannon's I know is a little bit longer, but mine is just. It's another one of those little moments. Um, so in this scene, Zaphod, Beeblebrox, and Trillian, who are... Um, so Zaphod is the president of the galaxy, but he's basically just a figurehead, and he just goes about and does whatever he wants. So he's very egotistical, I guess, is how I can describe that, but also very lovable. Um, and then Trillian is a girl from Earth. I think her original name is Trisha and she changed it when she went 
into space. Um, so she and Zaphod are together trying to drive the Heart of Gold, which is the ship that they stole. And they, I think this is right when Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect got, um, I don't know, sucked onto the ship um, when they were, I don't know, when they were getting thrown into space. So they were in space. They got sucked onto the ship. And Trillian and Zaphod are arguing about um, what to do with them. And Trillian says, can we drop your ego for a moment? This is important. And then Zaphod says, if there's anything more important than my ego around, I want it caught and shot now. <laughs> and that was one of many of my favorite quotes of this book. It's filled with little moments. Yeah, I laughed at that part. Because mm-hmm. my book was a little, like it's a smaller version. It's just a paperback. I would bring it with me places pretty easily. And so I'd be reading it like in line at like Starbucks or like in public nice. places. And then I would like laugh out loud. <laughs> and I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Okay. I love that. Okay. Love that so much. So my favorite, uh, well, I mean, I had a lot of favorites, but my favorite that I'm going to share um, part of the book was, so in the very beginning, like first chapter, um, Arthur Dent, the human um male, because I guess Trillian is typically human too, um, he uh, wakes up, and you know, it's like a normal day, whatever, and all of a sudden he realizes that these men are off outside of his house getting ready to like bulldoze it down. He's like, what the heck? What's going on? So he's like talking to them for a while and like trying to figure this out, and they're like, basically like, I mean, there's been a notice how, how like you could have brought this up at, you know, any time to, you know, like, um, complain about it or whatever. Like, we're trying to build this bypass, you know, so people can get from point A to point B. And and he says, like, but Mr. Like, Mr. Dent, the plans have been available in the local planning office for the last nine months. Oh, yes, well, as soon as I heard, I went straight round to see them yesterday afternoon. You hadn't exactly gone out of your way to call attention to them, had you? I mean, like, actually telling anybody or anything, but the plans were on display. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar to find them. That's the display department, with a flashlight. Oh, well, the lights had probably gone. So had the stairs. Well, look, you found the notice, didn't you? Yes, said Arthur. Yes, I did. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in this disused laboratory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leopard. (laughs) So I thought that was really funny. And then there was, like, a parallel um, later on to when the planet was destroyed by the Vogons because they were making a bypass in the universe, Mm -hmm. um, a universal bypass. And they basically said... People of Earth, your attention, please, a voice said, and it was wonderful. Wonderful, perfect, quadratic sound with distortion level so loud as to make a brave man weep. This is the prosthetic Vogon jelts of the Galactic Hyperspace Planning Council, the voice continued. As you will no doubt be aware, the plans for development of the outlying regions of the galaxy require the building of a hyperspatial express route through your star system, and regrettably, your planet is one of those scheduled for demolition. The process will take slightly less than two of your Earth minutes, thank you. And then, like, it later goes on to say about how, like, if they wanted, you know, it's been, the planning department has been in Alpha Center, and they could have checked the plans for a long time. And so, basically, <laughs> it, was like, it was just, like, the same thing that happened to Arthur, but for, like, the entire planet, and it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, piggybacking off that a little bit, I don't know, that kind of introduced this layer of significance or insignificance, I guess. So, there are these different layers. So, you saw Arthur Dent was all upset about his house getting torn down, and then the whole earth is getting torn down for an expressway, which is what his house is getting torn down for, like, which is what your quote was about. And then later we learn that the expressway isn't even built. So 
nobody cared enough to build the expressway, even though they destroyed a whole planet for it. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I said, like, it didn't even need to be destroyed. It was, like, not necessary or something. And I was like, yeah. good job. Um, also how the Earth was a computer and it was actually being run by mice. So it's basically just, like, these baby steps of, oh, you don't matter very much. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, like, reading that. It's like, oh, that's me. Yep. Yeah, and you're just like, aw. They're just a small part of the big scheme of things. I don't like that. <laughs> and also... Just off of that, can I just add the fact that I loved how, you know, Arthur is, like, rolling around in the mud outside his house trying to prevent the bulldozers from, like, bulldozing it down. (laughs) And then, like, um, Ford just comes over and is, like, so, (laughs) like, the whole argument about, like, basically, like, hey, I mean, he's going to be doing this anyway. (laughs) So, will you just come, like, the guy who's just trying to bulldoze down the house, will you just, like, come and... So um, funny. Roll in front of his house for a while. We'll be right back, like, in an hour or so. Yeah. It was just so funny, and the guy was, like, eating it up, and is like, okay, and, like, goes out of the ground, like, starts rolling down, and I'm like, what? Oh, man, it was hilarious. There's also the quote about the Vogon ships, about how they hung in the sky much the same way that bricks don't. <laughs> That's one of my favorites as well. So, my quote that I, for some reason, can find in print, but I could just tell you it, I was in... Backstory, I was in my car with my family and I was driving to the Ohio State Fair and my mom and my dad and a lot of my siblings were like in the car and I read this quote about not hearing your mother and I like had to tell my mom because this happens in my life. Sadly, I love you mom a lot. Like growing up because one of the characters was like, you know, I feel like I never listened to my mother, but she has great things to say. And then the other character was like, well, what did she say? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I never heard her. And I just, I and it was just funny because I was like with my mom and my family. And it's like, my mom complains about this growing up, like, like rightfully so, like right. all the time. She'd be like, I just gave you this whole list and you didn't, like, what did I tell you? I'm like, honestly, mom, I don't. <laughs> Wasn't listening. I don't know. <laughs> It just reminds me of that. Like, I feel like there's so many good things. What did I have she no say? idea. I don't know. I wasn't listening. <laughs> it just, that probably made me laugh out loud the loudest. Honestly, which is why I picked it as, like, it's a guilty moment. laugh. Just be, yes, a guilty laugh, because I'm like, hmm, That's me. <laughs> I know what this is like. Okay, I, can't. <laughs> I can't find it yet. It's it there somewhere. It's, it's near the beginning, but... Okay, another thing I loved about the book, which isn't, like, a quote, um, but it's, like, when they end up going to, they get on the Heart of Gold, they're, like, picked up in hyperspace or whatever, and they go to, like, Margaretha, I don't know how you say that, but... Malgrithia, I think is what it's called. And this, like, planet that basically makes planets, Mm -hmm. that's, like, their, um, main export or whatever, and they've been asleep or supposed to be, like, dead for millions of years or something but you know like what's his face like Zaphod thinks that they still exist so they like seek out this planet and so they get there and um Magrathia I just looked Magrathia yeah so (laughs) they get to this planet and all of a sudden like the planet's attack system comes on and like these like huge uh nuclear nuclear blaster things come and like try to destroy them and so, like, they're about to die, and then, like, Arthur thinks of the genius thing of, like, turning on the improbability drive, which basically makes really, like, really improbable things happen, 
essentially it's like what I gathered from the improbability drive. Um, and basically yeah. turns one of like the nuclear warheads into a whale mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a whale and it's like alive for like you know like five seconds and then drops down to the planet and dies <laughs> it's just really funny and they see like dead whale on the planet when they get there it's just i don't know that's this yeah. is just the book that it is it's no it's just, just funny like, too because the whale was trying to find out his purpose as he was falling. He's like, what is my purpose? Yeah. Oh, I can smell stuff. And then it's like, splat. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, poor whale. Again, there's the whole message of being okay with life. Because it's going to end. And we're not going to have all the answers. We're not. Yep. Yeah. And then the other missile became a bowl of petunias. <coughs> oh, no. Not again. <laughs> oh, no. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, so that's the quote from the bowl of petunias as it's falling to the earth. It's thinking, oh no, not again. Yeah, so the other one was turned into petunias. There was a whale and a petunia. Yes. But. So funny. Um, oh man. <laughs> and also, like, one, they were on the planet and they were, like, stuck in the waiting room or whatever. And it was just, the, like, their studio or whatever, so that, you know, people who were trying to buy a planet or make a new planet could like look at you know different designs that they can come up with and there's just like all these different designs and they're just like going from design to design and, and they just kept talking about how you know like some of them had designed certain parts of earth and like how this guy was like oh, i specialized in the fjords of norway so that got me to thinking you know the planet was destroyed so they were already talking about making a new one which they didn't end up doing but um if Planet Earth had to be remade because it was like annihilated or whatever. What topography, like terrain feature, would you absolutely not want to live without? And also, what's one thing, not necessarily terrain, but like one thing that you were like, yeah, I really don't, they can keep that out of the design, like leave that out. Okay. Man, I have to think. Yeah. There's so many cool things about Earth. <laughs> is the thing. Earth I can is go so first if cool. it makes it easier so you guys can think. <laughs> yeah, how about you go I first, Shannon? Um, I would say I'm going to steal the easy one and say mountains because I think they're just beautiful. And Dang it. Earth would <laughs> Earth would not be the same without having mountains. Um, and I wouldn't want to live in an Earth that didn't have them. So that's that for Are me. Are you speaking from being in Norway did that speak to you more specifically the fjords <laughs> probably I just think it's funny because I just kept bringing up Norway Norway, yeah. Norway fjord fjord fjords and it's true like once you've been to Norway and you've seen these like fjords that just if you don't know what a fjord it is it's basically a body of water um like inlets in on like the side of the um country that go eventually out to the ocean mm-hmm. but essentially if you're is like this like almost not like a canyon but like a long channel type thing that goes on for a long time and it's like shaped um eventually it's like shaped the topo- topography around it so there's just like mountains on either side of like this water and it's just beautiful and like there's snow everywhere and it's just it's just gorgeous and like i mean they soar up for thousands of feet like it's huge and it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my life so it was just kind of funny that they kept bringing it up because like I'd just seen them um 
But yeah, so I think that's like one reason for my answer. And then if I had to get rid of anything, spiders. I would definitely get rid of spiders. That's not topographical. I said it doesn't. I said the thing that you got rid of doesn't have to be topographical. Oh, yeah. that makes it so much easier. We're okay. all gonna choose a different bug. You already know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think one thing that I really, really love and I'm really drawn to are bodies of water. I know this will not be Annie's answer, probably. Um, <laughs> this is my other answer. <laughs> yes, right? I know. So I really love um, the ocean. I really love huge lakes. Um, I just love, like, the sound of water, the sound of the ocean, the sound of... It's just beautiful. And I like beaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't think I'd want to live without those. And one thing I could do without are definitely mosquitoes. I get that they're an integral part of like the life cycle. Are they really though? And that they, lots of really, animals eat there them. There could be other insects that don't bite humans that right. are also like in their place. So I feel like they're really not pertinent. I just don't. To humanity. I think they're just here to make our lives miserable as a punishment. Yeah, I just don't like safety. them. <laughs> but Annie was your thing so, to live with. Let's start with without. the live without. Just going to piggyback off of that <laughs> so Susie was laughing at me because she knows that the oceans are not my favorite <laughs> so okay my I have this weird not weird but I just have this fear it's of weird the op- it's, it's weird whatever whatever <laughs> of the open ocean it's just I think it's just the immensity of it and being I don't know being lost at sea is my nightmare (laughs) so I just don't like the idea that you can look out into every direction and see nothing but water and also under the sea is not much better first of all there are sharks down there sharks are great I don't like sharks just saying but they eat they eat people (laughs) they only eat people if like they it's usually mistaken identity but but Usually even but, not on purpose, and they'll stop biting you. But even if they, they accidentally me for eat people, seal, that's worse. I don't like it. It's I'm worse to accidentally eat people. I mean, if you went near a tiger, it probably would on purpose eat you. I feel like it is so, worse to on purpose. I don't think it's. Just, I think it's like the same know. thing. Anything on land or off. No, anyway, but I get that. I get it. Anyway, we have conflict there. It's fine. <laughs> well, anything um, fish. So yeah, fish are also the worst. I don't like anything about fish. They're like little bugs that swim. I don't know. <laughs> so we can get rid of I mean, all I of that to say. I you on that. I think they taste disgusting. What? So. That's right. You hate the smell I hate, of fish. I hate seafood. I think it's more Okay. Cool. Here's a secret, though. I'm, like, starting to come around on the fish thing because Mason <gasps> makes really good fish. Oh, that snap. I know. <laughs> I need Mason to cook fish for me. It's so good. He puts a lot of butter on things, and I think that's mainly, that's what you need. Butter. Butter anyway. is the and best. Can butter be the thing I want to stay here forever? No. <laughs> I love butter. No. No. <laughs> All right, well, Annie, what's yours? Okay, let's move on from this. What so, is yours? What is yours? Ocean's gone. So I think the thing that I would like to stay is fog. Ooh. I love fog. Driving through it's a little scary sometimes, but... I don't know. I just like it when things are covered in fog. There's just this feel to it that's very, like, peaceful and mm-hmm. quiet and mysterious. I love it. I want that to stay. I feel like fog makes the world, like, ethereal. 
Yeah. And enchanting. Enchanting. Yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. And also there's that one scene in Pride and Prejudice where Darcy is walking towards Elizabeth and it's foggy on the hills. And you're just like, yes, get it. Oh, but well, that's just what I know. Changing book topics. topics I'm sorry. We already did Jane Austen, Susie. <laughs> I know. Which is Tarkin Bag. No, but like fog. I like that actually. That's very unique. So back, I guess, to the book. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about my question already, and we talked about Shannon's question Shannon already. So Annie, if you if you would like to share your discussion question, I very much would. So my question is, if we could all communicate perfectly, like the babblefish did in the book, would we have more or less disagreement? So in the book, I'll explain the babblefish a little bit. So there's this. I guess it's a tool, I guess, called the babblefish, which is a little fish that you put in your ear, and it translates everything perfectly, and when you speak, they can understand what you're saying, too. So, and there is this point in the book where it says that since the invention of the babblefish, there have been, what is it, like, far greater and bloodier wars than ever before, which is very ironic because the typical, like, trend today is that you know, if we could all communicate, we wouldn't have any wars because we'd all be able to understand each other and get along. So I thought that was really funny and kind of ironic. So I was wondering what you thought. Okay, I found the quote, actually. It says, like, meanwhile, the poor babblefish, by effectively removing all barriers to communication between different races and cultures, has caused more and bloodier wars than anything else in the history of creation. So if we could communicate perfectly, would there be more or, what, or less disagreement? I don't know. I, th- I mean, if you look at the Bible, not to like throw a Bible plug, but I will always the name, plug the Bible. <laughs> like what the name of the Babelfish comes from, because like the Tower of Babel, these people... Like, the premise of the story is that these people, like, all spoke the same language and basically tried to become gods themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like, were trying to build this huge tower in their honor. And so that was like, nope, not going to happen. Uh, we're going to make you speak different languages so you can't communicate and build things to make yourself better. So, I don't know. I feel like in that example, it seems like having the same language would be more effective because you get more stuff done. I th- okay. I think it really depends if everyone knows that everyone understands everyone. Because if you ever been in that situation where you people are speaking a different language and you know they're talking about you, but you don't know what they're saying. The nail salon. Yeah, I, of course I'm thinking of that. <laughs> and you, you I have I have gross feet, so of course we're thinking of the nail salon. Of course they're all talking about my terrible feet. <laughs> yes, um, it might, it might not even be bad or good, but you're just like they're talking about they're talking about my gross feet <laughs> to each other, and I feel like if if people like certain people had babblefish and the other people in the world didn't know, I think they might be more disagreements. Because people leave things unsaid. Like, they switch languages on purpose. But I think if everyone... That would be so funny, actually. It'd be really funny. Like, for example, (laughs) two of my cousins took German for years. And my aunt and uncle did not know German. 
So whenever my cousins got into disagreement, they would very calmly and with very pleasant voices insult each other in German. That's hilarious. Like, and to to not, um, you know, tip off their parents that they actually were arguing. <laughs> they were talking very calmly, but saying very mean things to each other in German. Um, but I think that if everybody knew that everyone can understand everything, I think it might actually... I don't really have any backing behind this. It's just a gut. It might lessen disagreements because I think to, in today's culture specifically, there is kind of a drive for like unity, mm-hmm. you know, like, wo- like world unity, like trying to like break down barriers, trying to have all cultures accept each other. So I think it, like if this day and age, it could go both ways, mm-hmm. but hopefully it would create more. Unity. Right. And so here's, that's kind of how I feel about it. So I think that it would, you know, open up unity and we would all at least be able to communicate effectively. Um, so I think that that's such a good thing. But I do think as a Christian that man is sinful and we don't always see people's motives. And I just always think there's going to be sin involved in anything that we do so even if we could communicate people are going to exploit that or misuse that or mistreat others through that but I think overall like it would be good um but but sin basically (laughs) good but sin yeah yeah you can never get rid of sin in the world like you're just thinking about like the UN or like Mm -hmm. bodies of people trying to work together it would be so much easier if everyone can understand mm-hmm. each other. Then you can think about, like, the black market and how if everyone can understand each other, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All these people can really talk and make deals quicker. And you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys pick up on any themes in the book? Because I have one that I, like, that I thought of. Do you want to share your yes. theme, Shannon? Hint, hint. Yes. How about, how about you share the theme that I, you picked up on? I'm just trying to get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my theme is friendship helps one stay alive. I love it. Ooh. Yep. Because the friendship of Ford and Arthur kept Arthur alive. And mm-hmm. Arthur kept Ford alive by like doing the improbability drive. Mm-hmm. So they kept each other alive. And it's so true in the real world, too, because, like, so many times your friends save you from being stupid mm-hmm. or saying stupid things. And now that I have moved away, I am just constantly stupid, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy, we can't stop you from being stupid yeah. now. Not it's, that you it's ever were. It's completely it's up, up to Mason. Mason. <laughs> oh, and gosh. You're not stupid. You're wise. <laughs> I try. <laughs> anyway, um, so. No, I think that's really true. Honestly, throughout history, people have craved friendship. I think it's how we're made. It's like how God made us, that you want fellowship and companionship. And, I mean, there have been so many situations from big problems to, you know, the tiniest problem of, like, how to fix this one thing. We're just talking to another person about it and hearing yourself process it allows you to come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sticking together with someone and, you know, becoming friends or being already friends already, like, just almost makes any situation of crisis better. 
So yeah, I would agree with you. The you friendship. Have a theme. So I think the theme that I had in mind before we started talking about was the whole fact that this is a comedy that has many deeper meanings. Um, and so it's not necessarily one overarching theme Though my question kind of was like, you know, like the purpose of life is comes up a lot in this book is a theme. Um, so I just don't really have anything more to add right now though, because I think I already talked about a lot of my themes. So my theme was, um, we've talked about this a lot already, already, but it's about, um, life being crazy and it being okay with it. So there's going to be a lot of things that pop up in our life that we don't, understand or that don't really make sense but this book kind of encourages you to just look past that and just see the humor and irony and things and just be okay with life not being what you expected it to be that's like a good summary it kind of is yeah of the whole book thank you <laughs> that's like why you can look it's the wisdom from annie as always as yeah, always why you can look into things at the same time things are mysterious yeah and you won't know all the answers or you're right you might not even know the questions 42 <laughs> yeah 42. 42 hey read the book and you'll understand why we keep saying 42 if you read the next book you'll get the question oh and it's also hilarious so now i need to do oh, it really? <laughs> i know i want to read it that's no, I, I hope that by us, like, reading these books, it prompts, like, other people to want to also explore the written word. The written <laughs> word. Specifically the books that we're reading. Because mm-hmm. um, they are books that, like, have been around for a long time. Movies are great. A lot of time. Yeah, like, the book is always better than the movie. Book's great. Always. Even if you're like, I'm too lazy to read, I don't like reading, then listen to it on audiobook. You have no excuse. Laying down the law, Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, do you want to start with My, what is your rating? Um, I'd say four. I'm giving like pretty much all fours. Yeah, maybe we all have. Maybe there'll be a week that I don't give a four. But I gave it a four because I thought it was hilarious. It was like so much fun and it was just a different pace, different mm-hmm. um, kind of book. And it's kind of all over the place, which is like, it's, so I didn't have much structure to it, which is like different from what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself laughing out loud and my husband glaring at me because he was like trying to do something serious. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so if you just like want a fun book um, that will have you rolling on the ground laughing, then I would highly encourage this book. So yeah, yeah. I also gave it four stars. <laughs> um, I just... I thought it was a great book. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say differently than well, all else we have been saying because I was laughing out loud. And it does make a very good read-aloud book, though. Yeah. Audiobook. Audiobook. Or listen to it. <laughs> Audiobook plug. It's a good listen-to book. <laughs> I, I also gave it four stars. Shocker. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I also thought it was very very funny and like very lighthearted and fun to read at the same time being deep in my opinion so it was it was a lot um and it has made me want to read the other books i think that's always a good sign in like a book with the series where you're just like i just mm-hmm. want to know i want to know more i like the writing style a lot and solid yep, i just stars. started the third book the other day so Making my way through it. And I am reading the, like, the Barnes & Noble collectible edition, which has all, I think there's five books? That sounds right. So it has all of them in there. 
So I just turned the page and kept on reading when I finished it. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is right, but I'm pretty sure that Douglas Adams called it a trilogy. Yes. Like, read my trilogy. It's, yes. And it's five books. And that's part of the joke, too. He's like, I wrote mm-hmm. this trilogy with five books. <laughs> and also, part of the movie. So you know how the movie is very different than the book? Mm-hmm. I mean, Susie, because Shannon hasn't yes. watched it. Um, so part of those changes were actually made by Douglas Adams. Oh, really? On purpose, because he thought it would be better for, like, a visual, yeah. um, like, representation of it. So, I thought that was super interesting. That is interesting. So, go watch the movie. But read the book And first. read the book. <laughs> <laughs> book over movie. But, yeah, the movie was really good. I did like it. Um, so, just a little more information to you. My edition, which is also Shannon's edition, we bought it at the same time, is the 2017 Del Rey Books Mass Market Edition. <laughs> And it's a paperback, and it has a bunch of little jokes about that are oh, it within makes sense the book. Now. Yeah, so it oh once, my gosh. once you look at the cover after reading the book, you're like, oh, look, don't panic. A white a mouse, name. 42. enjoyed that crazy conversation. To kind of wrap up some of our thoughts, I'd like to mention that reading is a very personal thing, and certain books, like this one, bring up the big questions of the world, or life, the universe, and everything, as the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy phrases it. And books can be a way to generate these conversations. While Shannon, Susie, and I may all agree on the answers to these questions, this podcast is not intended for a specific demographic. Since reading can bring up these questions and allow us to fill in the blanks, I also don't want to censor what our answers to the questions are. So please don't leave this episode thinking that this podcast isn't for you. If you have questions or you would like to voice your own thoughts and opinions, this is yet another great way to use our email address that will be linked in the description, as well as will be our Goodreads, our drinks, and our book editions. In conclusion, we hope that this episode encourages you to explore life's big questions and to read one of the best books in the galaxy, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. And feel free to read along with us for next month. It was my turn to pick our book, and I decided that I wanted to do a classic children's novel that I've never read before. So we will be reading The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Well, we've reached the end of today's episode. So until next time, enjoy this outtake from our rant on why the earth is so great. Because yes, that rabbit trail went on even longer than you thought. Bye, friends. This has nothing to do with, like, I mean, it kind of has to go off of your question, but, like, this is just my own thinking now. What is your favorite thing in nature? I'll start. Stars. <laughs> okay. I'll start. <laughs> uh, yeah. I... Stars are pretty cool. <laughs> I saw the first shoot, my first shooting star the other night. You've only seen one? Yeah. We've got to go stargazing. I realized that I didn't know that it was actually just space junk coming into the house.